Welcome to the Naturopathic Life and Living Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Francis, where I'm going to be talking about all kinds of things underneath the sun, everything that has to do with life, living, and your healthcare. So today I want to talk about COVID-19. Why? Because everybody is. Because that's what's going on right now. That's what everybody's dealing with. And that's what everybody's talking about. So I feel it's my responsibility to make sure I make my public service announcement. I let everybody know what my perspective is where I see everything from the conglomeration of all the different areas of study because I can see lots of different perspectives pointing at the same thing at the same time and people don't realize how much of it if we just took the combination of what everybody is seeing and put it together that is the complete and total truth about what's going on and there's no reason to fear because fear is the problem that is causing so many problems and I'll go into more detail about why that is as we move forward. One thing I want to point out is that this virus attacks the lungs. And if you look at it from a perspective of oriental medicine and other modalities such as visceral manipulation, which discusses different organs and which emotions are stuck, which makes sense if you understand that emotions are just neurotransmitters and those are chemicals which basically have to be processed in the body to be eliminated. And if they don't, then they settle somewhere because those are physical things that have to find a location to stay in. So if you don't process an emotion, you don't ever actually transmit it, alter chemically what it is. And so then it just stays there. And when it gets moved, because another frequency comes around that's similar to it, a situation that happens that makes that feeling of discomfort come around again, then it kind of nudges it. It feels very uncomfortable. It gets pulled out of its dark spaces. Those are your shadows, your skeletons in the closet, the things that you don't want to deal with, stuff like that. The only way we can process anything, any kind of emotion so that way we don't have to deal with it anymore. So it's not stuck in us anymore is to actually feel it, to let it process, to let it go through our bodies, to have those chemicals released after they go through our system so that way they can be transmuted and be done with. This virus settles in the lungs, so it's a respiratory problem, right? There are all different things going on where the symptoms are specifically related to the lung. You have coughing, you have a dry, unproductive cough that is not producing phlegm, right? That's what that means. It's unproductive or it's dry. People are just hacking away, coughing, and nothing is coming out. The mucus isn't coming out because people are too dry. They're not getting enough moisture in their lungs. So then you also have headaches because there's dehydration, right? So you don't have enough fluids in your body. Things can't process. You can't get those toxins flushed out of your body, get rid of all of those things. There's GI upset, there's fever. Well, yeah, because you have a compromised digestive system and then fever is the body's way of fighting off this invader. That's what the body is supposed to do. So there's all these different things happening together at the same time. And it all makes sense if you understand understand all of the physiological components and what they mean from a spiritual perspective. And spiritual, of course, does not mean religion, although it can, which might not make sense to some people. But spiritual just means unseen, something that people can't see because it's not in physicality. So emotions, thoughts, perspectives, beliefs, things like that, those are all spiritual kind of things. In a way, people can think about a virus as being something that's spiritual because it's unseen to the naked eye. You have to use a special tool to be able to realize that there is some kind of physicality to it. That's another perspective there too. One thing that I want to point out is way back in the past when we've had to deal with other pandemics and things like this, like scarlet fever and plagues, conventional medicine did not have a good success rate. Homeopathy, however, was amazing. And there were a lot of people that were cured from these kinds of problems that were plaguing, literally plaguing, that's why they're called plagues, um, plaguing humanity. The reason why homeopathy works is because, and I know 
know it's controversial, which is why I'm pointing this out and people think it's all woo-woo and whatever. It's not. It's just a science that was recognized by Samuel Hahnemann, who, by the way, was so amazing and great and recognized by America that uh, he's a German man from hundreds of years ago. He was so profoundly an influencer to America that there is a statue of him in Washington, D.C. For people that want to think that homeopathy is just quackery and it doesn't matter and it doesn't make sense and it's nothing and it doesn't work and all that other kind of crap argument, there actually is a statue of him in Washington, D.C. That should mean something to you right then and there. So basically what it is, like I said, is just technology that was recognized way before there was the technology, the tools to be able to prove the science behind why these things worked. He was able to see that. He could foresee that. He did lots of testing, mostly on himself and then other people that were able to take part in all these tests so that way he could prove what he recognized. And it works. And many countries around the world utilize homeopathy just like we utilize conventional medicine. It's the practice of their country. And that is the medical way that people utilize to treat their conditions and to restore themselves to health. Essentially what it is, is nanoparticles of a certain substance, typically a toxic substance, but in nano form. So extremely, extremely, extremely small particles where essentially there's no no physical component of it left, that it's just a energetic, which means non-physical to the eyes. Basically, it's very, very small particles that are like our polarities, pluses and minuses, our ions, things like that. The things that are exceptionally, exceptionally small. These substances, in fact, are so small that when consumed, they can go through the tiny pores in our cells and be able to have an effect on the nucleus of the cell to change the blueprint or the DNA structure or the representation of the epigenetics of a cell. And that's why these things make a difference. Essentially, if you think about it as like cures like, it's kind of like giving somebody a taste of their own medicine, right? If somebody is being aggressive and somebody's aggressive back and that person's not really used to it, then they might be like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, didn't realize that because when you have a bully, they expect the other person to be intimidated by them, right? So that's when they keep it up and keep it up when actually what they need is for the people that are being bullied to stand up for themselves, which then the bully might take it as being bullied themselves because their norm is for people to let them be abusive to them. When somebody stands up for themselves to a bully, typically then the bully will stop being a bully and go away because then they finally have respect for the person who decided to not allow them to be the bully to them and they stand up for themselves. So then oftentimes the bully wants to become the friend then of the person who stood up to them. Essentially giving somebody a taste of their own medicine, giving them back what they dished out. Kind of a quick synopsis of homeopathy. Another thing that homeopathy does is it looks at the person instead of looking at the condition. A huge problem that many different fields have recognized is that instead of giving power or recognition or physicality or entity or however you want to think about it to this condition, to this disease, to this virus, whatever, people recognize the individuality of each person who presents with a certain set of symptoms. Now, conventional medicine tried to make things easier to know how to take care of a patient. Again, I don't like using the word patient. I like clients because I'm a naturopathic doctor and I serve my clients. However, it is standard in conventional medicine and very common for people to think about the person who goes to the doctor for a need is considered a patient because the person is just supposed to sit there and accept whatever the doctor tells them and just be patient, not be resistant, not have a problem, just accept whatever they're told to do, right? So then in homeopathy, just like in naturopathic medicine, we look at the totality of the person and the things that stand out are those little quirks, so to say, of what makes somebody 
individually unique. Those kinds of things that are going on that are happening that are different from the norm of that person, those are the things that homeopathy looks at. Those are the things that stand out with a change in the way that a person is presented. If something happens and then medicine calls these things symptoms and they clump all the symptoms together and they say, these are the symptoms of this condition instead of saying, these are the symptoms of this person to know how to alter those conditions so that way the person gets a taste of their own medicine and then is able to return to health because everything is just a vibrational frequency that if you understand physics, whenever two waves come together, they're going to interact with each other. And depending on what those waves are, if they're the same frequency, then they will balance out. So essentially when something happens that distunes somebody's natural frequency, some kind of invader, something coming in uh, a virus, so to say, then it has its own frequency. Well, then when you match that frequency with a homeopathic remedy, it'll distune that, it'll balance it out, it'll straighten out that vibration. So that way you don't have that anymore. So essentially it transmutes the altered and adapted frequency. So that way the person can restore to their natural frequency, which is a state of health. I get that that can be complicated. So if you need to go back and re-listen to that, I totally and completely understand. However, this is why homeopathy works. And a lot of people don't understand that. They just know that, oh, homeopathy works. A lot of people know that homeopathy doesn't work. And the reason why they believe that is because they have not had success with it and they don't know any better or they're going by somebody else's experiences because that's how we learn how to do things and cope and adapt is by learning from our environment because we want to survive as well. The problem is, is that your environment might not be conducive to survival for you. That's something to take into account as well. If you think about it and you put a whole group of people in a room and they get an exposure to some kind of a virus, some people are going to be deeply affected by it. Some people aren't going to be affected at all and there can be a whole spectrum in the middle. And why? Because everybody in the room has a different level of susceptibility to that virus. For example, again, talking about oriental medicine, the lungs where this COVID-19 attaches is the place for susceptibilities for grief. If you have unresolved grief, things that have happened in your life where those emotions haven't get dealt with, those biochemicals need to have somewhere to rest because otherwise they're just going to be constantly moving on in your body and your mind isn't going to be able to handle that. It needs to put it away somewhere, shove it under the rug, close the door, you know, those kinds of concepts, take it out of your conscious awareness. Those chemicals need to reside somewhere. They reside in the lungs. Well, then what does that mean? It means then that the lungs are compromised because those emotions are chemicals that are neurotransmitters that are stuck there. And then that interferes with the free flowing ability for nutrients to come in and nourish those cells, the toxins that are in there, which are just natural byproducts of metabolism and life. Those toxins like carbon dioxide and tars and things in the air and things in the foods that we eat, the preservatives, things like that, that interferes with the natural flow of things coming in, getting filtered and getting released from the body. So if you have unresolved guilt, I'm sorry, if you have unresolved grief, you're going to have all of these problems in your lungs and look at how many people are having problems with their lungs. What do they need? What are, what are we talking about in the news and the hospitals that are being understaffed and overpopulated with needing beds because there's so many patients with all these needs? They need ventilators. They need help breathing. Why? Because they don't have the expandability for their lungs. They have susceptibility in their lungs, which means that when this virus comes in contact with them, it gets super excited to be able to find a good host for it to be able to survive. If you look at it from different perspectives and Armageddon stories and alien invasions and any of these kind of sci-fi ways, which are just people connecting to the collective unconscious and being able 
to present it in such a way that makes sense to the minds at the time. I mean, if you look at technology advances, the reality of today is the sci-fi movies of the past. Look at Star Trek, right? You could start walking, Scotty would be walking, and what happens? A door opens up automatically. When that movie came out, that was not a reality. But look at it now. I mean, we have automatic doors for things all the time when we're trying to go inside of a building or leave or stores and things like that. If you think about it from a perspective of here is this little itty bitty tiny creature that is this virus and it just needs a host. It needs to be able to survive because that's all any of us really want to do. We just want to survive. Well, it finds a host. It's able to get in. Why? Because the person's dehydrated because their membranes are dry. The natural state of health is to be wet and moist so that way we can breathe and we can be well hydrated and nourished. Our bodies are over 70% water, right? If somebody is dehydrated because they smoke or there's other things going on with their body where they're not capable of being able to process all of those things with respiration, with metabolism, digestion, all those different natural processes of the human body, then you end up being dehydrated. You end up where your mucous membranes are not moist. They're not protected. I mean, what happens in the wintertime if you're in a country where there is dry air and your lips get cracked and your throat starts hurting and that's when these viruses are able to take hold because they have access to these cracks in your tissue so that way they can jump in there and reside. There's a susceptibility to that person because they have all of this grief so they have all of these toxins just throughout their lungs that gives this virus the perfect environment to be able to thrive and to be able to survive. Think about it, your microbiome is a bunch of bacteria, right? We are actually made up of more bacteria than we actually are of human cells. In the past, when we had to evolve to go from one cell to two cell to multi-cell beings, that was dependent on joining forces with different types of cells, different types of creatures, so to say, different types of species being able to come together and work in a symbiotic fashion to be able to adapt to create a better being to be able to have a different type of existence. If you look at evolution, we didn't always exist as people the way that we are today in a variety of colors and shades and personalities and perspectives and things like that. In general, a body looks like a body and all of the different organs look like all of the different organs and are in certain locations and things like that. But in actuality, the average doesn't exist. It's just a conglomeration of everything put together and then something in the middle taken out and saying that that's the average and that's the norm, even though that's just the stuff in the middle. That's actually going into some statistical stuff that kind of is a drawback of a distraction from the other stuff that's going on. But essentially, my point is that if we look at this virus, we look at everything that's happening from it, we look at all of the scares and the concerns and the fears that everybody is having. That is just a trigger of our childhood traumas because all of those biochemicals that are stuck in our bodies that are keeping our organs from being able to work appropriately and to be able to take in the effects of our environment so that way we can process it, we can get what we need from it and keep what we need to help us survive and prolong our life and we can get rid of the stuff that we don't need. But if you have a susceptibility in your lungs because you have all this grief that is unresolved because of stuff from your past, which typically, like I said, is going to be from childhood. It's our insecurities. It's our fears. It's we don't feel like we're good enough. We know that our parents don't care about us because they don't spend time with us and all these other perspectives from a child's mind perspective because of a lack of understanding that, oh, it's not that my parents don't want to have anything to do with me right now. It's because they have to go to work. They have to pay the bills. The lights need to stay on. I need to be able to have food. I have other family members. My parents existed as people that enjoyed themselves together before I was born. In fact, that's how I was able to become created. So there's all kinds of things that happen 
with a lack of understanding and perspective that create the belief systems that we have that then create the filters that make us be able to witness what we see and then learn how to cope with the reality that we then have to experience because that's how we choose to see it. The problem is that most people don't realize that they're the ones that create their realities because of their belief systems. So a lot of chemistry going on, a lot of emotions happening, a lot of thought processes. Also, there's a lot of comorbidities that are here. So when you're susceptible in one area, it makes the whole entire system that you have weaker because part of your body is compromised. So that means another part of your body has to accommodate to that and that affects immunity. So ultimately, my point is that we are mammals. We have thoughts and emotions. When things happen in our environment, we understand something from it. We learn something from it. We store that in our brains and our chemistry of our physicality is designated to respond in a certain way because of that. So because of how we think, because of our histories, because of our past, because of how all of those emotions either get processed or not, therefore wedging themselves in the deepest parts of ourselves, especially if we don't deal with it, they just get stuck there. Then those organs become compromised, which then creates the accessibility to some outside pathogen looking for a host and allows the body to be the perfect environment for it to be able to thrive. So in order to establish health and maintain that health, we need to focus on our mental health because that incorporates our emotional health. And that is how we're going to survive this virus. So people can look at different kinds of aspects of reality and they can see the statistics and they can look at all the fears and they can look at conventional medicine and, oh, holy God, I can't believe that there's all these people that are boasting about finding a vaccine and then being able to utilize it right away. That's not the way to to fix things. That's not the way to take care of things. Like we are natural. We are nature. We utilize our environments to be able to grow and adapt and learn to live. I mean, that's evolution. That's how we change and we grow and we expand, which we're at a stage in our universe where we've moved beyond the progression of infancy and growth. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, which I'll go into more next time, is the different generations that have led up to where we are. So if we go into a spiritual aspect of stuff, who are the rebels of society that enforce a natural way of living? I don't know who it was before the baby boomers came around, but those people who are their problem people in that society, those are the hippies, right? The flower children, right? Well, then the flower children gave birth to the crystal children, which were the people who focused on saving the earth. So these are all of our people who are into natural therapies and utilizing nature to be able to help with the body, which is who I am. These are our naturopathic doctors, the resurgence of natural medicine, things like that. And then we gave birth to the rainbow children. And who are the rainbow children? Well, think about what a rainbow is. A rainbow is all of the colors of the spectrum of white light. White light is divinity. It's divine light. It's love. What group associates with the rainbow as their symbol to designate who they are? That's the LGBTQ plus community, right? So there's this big proposal of a non-binary, non-extreme black and white thinking of this or that, and that's a dissolution of that. So life is a spectrum. Love is a spectrum. Moving in and growing and adapting to the expansion of the planet as uniting as a community as a whole. I mean, how can people not see that that's what COVID-19 is doing? COVID-19 is thriving in people who are susceptible because they've gone away from using natural means to be able to fully process 
process and experience all of these activities in their environment, which keep them living present in the moment as a fully conscious human being, combining or interpreting, translating, however you want to think about that, things from the physicality with conventional medicine systems and moving that into a more thought-provoking, emotional, spiritual, non-physical kind of perspective. That's where this condition is thriving. That's what's happening. People have susceptibilities to their lungs. And if we are willing to look at oriental medicine, which China is where this originated at, right? So all of these problems, they know how to fix it. People have been getting released from their homes who have been in quarantine for months, right? Since last year. There's a lot going on here that people need to be able to pay attention to. And instead of living in fear, creating a lower vibrational frequency, which allows for the susceptibility of access to invaders, pathogenic, spiritual, however you want to think about it. These people need to come closer to nature. We need to breathe clean air. We need to do deep breathing. We need to be able to strengthen the tissues of our lungs to be able to provide for healthy access to life for ourselves. So that way we're not compromised. So that way we don't have dry tissues. We need to increase our water intake. We need to have better eating habits. All of these things that naturopathic doctors have been talking about. And I do want to point out somebody called me a not a doctor, apparently an ND means not a doctor. And that's just lack of education. They don't understand that conventional medicine actually has a place within naturopathic medicine. It's just not the first place we go to. We don't jump to vaccines and antibiotics and surgery and things like that, because sometimes the problem simply is just that you need to go back to nature. You need to breathe better. You need to have more water. We need to eat better. You need to take some time out and look at what this virus is doing. It's forcing everybody to take a time out. It's forcing everybody to deal with their emotions. And some people just can't deal with it. They're all shut up. They're squished in their houses. They have cabin fever. They don't know how to deal with things. And I think it's great to look at all these people that are broadcasting all of these prayers and well wishes and hopes and trying to reach out to everybody. How many people are having Skype calls? How many people are going back to their families? All these children who used to go to school are now at home and the families are having to interact by no other option and choice. It's like mother nature has utilized this virus to be able to force people into recognizing how much we need to pay attention to nature because we are not machines. We are nature ourselves. How do we survive? How do we thrive? How do we live and we adapt? We care about ourselves. We deal with our past emotions. We process everything. Quite honestly, that's exactly what I do. That's what naturopathic doctors do. I integrate mind, body, heart, and soul. And I also utilize cannabis therapies with an emphasis on sacred sexuality because we need to love ourselves. We need to be happy with who we are. We need to be able to thrive so that way we are not at the frequency to allow susceptibility for anything to invade us and take over compromising our health that's already compromised in the first place. It's time for a reset, guys. It's time to reset. All right, everybody, that ends our episode for today. I hope you were able to get some helpful information to be able to live more naturally. So if you like what I had to say today and you found it beneficial or helpful, please go ahead and share. And if there's anything going on where you need to find a naturopathic doctor or for any reason you need somebody to talk to, please go ahead and call me at 586-405-7618. I give a free 15-minute consult to see how well we'll work together. Or you can find me online at canassist.me. That's C-A-N-N-A-S-S-I-S. T.me. This is Dr. Francis saying, enjoy, have fun, and until next time, peace.